Here's a controversial opinion. I have hot takes. I rarely share them. Today, I'm going to. Meetings. Are you ready for this? Meetings are great. Now I know what you're thinking. Meetings are awful. And I've been in some awful meetings. So I I hear you. I know where you're coming from. If you go to Twitter, where I spend some time each day, and check out the hashtag meetings suck, I can tell you right now, you will find a lot of information about bad meetings, people's very serious thoughts, people's very serious and sometimes scandalous memes about terrible, awful, regrettably dismal meetings. And all of that's true. But if we didn't have meetings, we wouldn't have the U.S. Constitution. We wouldn't have the King James Bible. We never would have got Neil Armstrong to the moon without some meetings. So all I'm saying is, let's give meetings a chance. So if history tells us that meetings can be good, and certainly go back in your own history, you've had some meetings that were great. You've had some meetings that were helpful. You may not be able to access that memory all that easily when you're sitting through another dismal headbanger, but if you're not in that meeting, and if you think objectively, you can recall times when a meeting was super helpful and really helped move a project forward. But it's not true all the time, is it? One of the problems is that we default to meetings when we shouldn't, and so we end up with calendars of time confetti, days, hours chopped to pieces with meetings here, meetings there, interspersed between little bits of time to actually get work done. But part of our problem is we forget that meetings are work. And when we forget that meetings are work, we're not as intentional as we should be about planning them. You'll plan your tasks, you'll plan your time, but most of us never bother planning our meetings. And that's what we're going to talk about today on the Business Accelerator podcast. I'm Joel Miller, Chief Product Officer here at Full Focus. And today I'm talking with Megan Hyatt Miller, our CEO, about how to optimize the time that we spend in meetings. And then when that conversation's done, I'm going to talk to our Chief Experience Officer, Aaron Perry, and we're going to talk about some ways of optimizing the meeting itself. How do we get the most out of those meetings? I think if you get both of these right, it's gonna make a huge difference in the effectiveness of your meetings. You're not gonna be able to escape every one of them, and that's great, because the truth is, you need them. You need them more than you even know. But you won't waste time in meetings. Instead, you'll get the best use of the time that you have, the scarce resource that your time is, you'll get the best use of it, and you'll be able to drive incredible results with what we call no-fail meetings.
All right, Ken, do you know what's happening right now? No, I have no idea. <laughs> well, first of all, it's your favorite time of year, finally. It's, yes! We can act, okay, like I give approval for us to actually listen to Christmas music now that Thanksgiving's over. Jingle bells, jingle Yes. Uh, it's our holiday sale here at Full Focus. Oh, And we have better. some really awesome deals going on, especially if for some reason you missed out on our Black Friday deals. This is a great time to get your planners and everything for the new year. And so we have got uh, some awesome deals. So we've got 10% off site-wide. Um, we've got where you can get a free um, Your Best Year Ever vinyl sticker pack. For any new planner subscri- subscription that you sign up for. So these are great to put on things like your Stanley mug. Wow, you already put them on yeah. your Stanley mug? And if are you got them, them if you got them on Black Friday, these are different. These are these are gonna be new for the new year. Uh, but they're great for that. You can also put them on your planner, you can put them on your computer, wherever you want them. They're great. They're great stickers. We're also doing 25% off courses. Let's go. So specifically, we've been talking a lot about our goal setting course. um, And this is going to be $75 off. And you get a free ticket to your best year ever live with your purchase. So you definitely don't. It's like a crazy, crazy, crazy deal. So you don't want to miss out on that. And your favorite thing, which is our certification program, we're doing $800 off of it. And this is a fantastic time of year to get in. Um, we are actually going to be doing a beta group for our new digital planner. Yes, it's going to be fantastic. crazy exciting. So anyways, go to fullfocusstore.com now. Shop our holiday sale. Make sure to use the code HOLIDAY10 to get all these deals and more. So let's jump into the conversation with Megan Hyatt Miller, our CEO. And, full disclosure, also my wife. Let me set this up. Our days, seems to me, are full of two types of activity. We could call them movable activity and immovable activity. The movable activity is stuff like tasks, stuff like decisions. The immovable activity is stuff like meetings. And I mean, actually, it's just meetings. It's stuff that is literally nailed to your calendar and they have a tendency to edge out all those movable activities. So you can imagine if something can move, it will when something immovable is in its place. And that's kind of the position that these activities are in relative to tasks and meetings. That means that there are trade-offs. Meetings are valuable. They can be where some of the most valuable work that we do actually happens. It's a chance to enhance collaboration, create synergy, access the knowledge of uh, everyone around the room, but they come with costs and too much of a good thing is actually quite a bad thing, right? So one of the most common complaints our business accelerator coaching clients give us is that they feel like they're spending a lot of time in meetings, too much time in meetings. There's just way too much happening in meetings and it displaces a lot of the time that they have for important tasks and decisions. And it seems to me it's time to talk about a reset. Well, I totally agree. This is something that I hear, especially from our new clients regularly, you know, when they join the program, they're like, I'm just in meetings all the time. And I think the truth is this is one of those areas that can kind of sneak up on you as a business owner or a leader where you're kind of going along just fine. And then somehow you look up and you realize that you're spending, you know, 90% of your time in meetings. And I think, Joel, what you said about 
this this way of thinking about it, like movable and immovable is really helpful because always that other stuff gets displaced. And that's a lot of times where overwhelm comes from, because uh, you'll hear this refrain, maybe you've even said it yourself, where, oh, I, you know, I'm in meetings so much, I don't have time to do any work as though work is like mm-hmm. the thing you do outside of the meeting. Um, but, you know, I felt like that myself at times. And certainly I hear that from our clients. I think this is a real challenge to overcome. We've got to get clear about when meetings are appropriate and when they're not. And, you know, when they're really working at cross purposes with our goals. Well, if we needed to have a reset on on meetings and how we think about meetings, which it seems to me is super essential, I thought there might be four strategies we could talk about. And I wanted to just run these four by you and get your thoughts on them. Okay. Okay. So let me let me work the let me work these out. The first is to choose another channel. Instead of a meeting, what if you had this conversation in another kind of channel? Well, this one is kind of like the level one diagnostic for, you know, can we do this differently? If you're going to reduce your time spent in meetings, you've got to ask, what if we just didn't have the meeting at all? How could we get this information to people besides that? And it's kind of like, you know, you've, you've probably been to um, a movie or you've read a book that in retrospect, you're like, that should have been a magazine article, you know? Well, sometimes our meetings are the Mm -hmm. same way, right? It's just not necessary to have a meeting. And I, I think the question is, what are you trying to accomplish in the meeting? You know, um, because different channels are specifically designed for different needs. And so one of the first kinds of meetings that you could consider not having a meeting for would be when you're just sharing information, when you're like providing updates to people. Not mm-hmm. necessarily necessary to have everybody in the same room or on the same Zoom screen in order to have that be effectively communicated. In fact, sometimes when you're sharing information for the purpose of alignment, it can be more effective to share it in writing because it's it can be more explicit. It's more concrete. You know if people got it or not. Um, it's just right there in black and white. Sometimes there are certain kinds of, of alignment that really are best done in person. But gosh, there's a lot of information sharing that does not need to happen synchronously and all, you know, with everybody uh, in the same yeah. room. You know, there's uh, a couple types of dynamics possibly that are at play here. You can have a a dynamic that is dynamic, um, which is to say there's a lot happening in it that requires multiple people, multiple voices, multiple brains in in a synchronous kind of exchange, like a, a brainstorming meeting or some other right. kind of ideational setting. That dynamic kind of meeting does require multiple voices and multiple people like involved at once. But then there's static meetings, right? These are things that are like more fixed and information is a great example of that. So if it's more static, if it does not require multiple voices working with each other at any given moment, then you can probably boil it down to talking points and it could actually be explained in an email or a Slack message. Right. So for example, if you were going to update your team on the departure of another team member or uh, if you were going to let them know about some kind of policy change on the HR side that wasn't particularly controversial. Those would be great examples where you might be inclined to have a meeting, but it would really be overkill and, a, and not a good use of everybody's time. It's not important um, for them to be updated. You know, there, there may be people who need to know about a marketing plan uh, that, 
they're not on the marketing team, they're not executing on that, but they just need to be read in on what's happening, that could be a video. It doesn't need to happen live because there aren't going to be a lot of questions or, mm-hmm. you know, they really just need to be informed. They don't need to be prepared to execute. And, and so I think the bottom line is that when you're thinking about this strategy, number one, choose another channel, you want to be thinking as the leader, you know, how do I determine whether or not a meeting is necessary? What are the criteria by which I I would be able to determine, hey, I need to get everybody in a room virtually or in person to communicate this versus in writing, you know, could be as Mm -hmm. effective or video. We've all seen that coffee mug. I survived another meeting that should have been an email. Um, (laughs) don't, Don't be the cause of somebody needing that mug. Yeah. Okay. So one other thing that is important to remember about meetings seems to me is that they're not free. The time of the individuals involved is valuable and like literally valuable, like they get a paycheck. And if you went ahead and just processed the amount of minutes that they're sitting in that meeting versus their annual salary, you could tally up how much that meeting cost you. If you recognize that, then it seems to me that a second strategy emerges and that is to limit the guest list. Yeah, gosh, this is so important. Meetings with more people, as you Mm -hmm. just said, are more expensive, right? Especially if you think about the people that often get included in meetings. Usually it's going to be your leaders, right? Mm -hmm. The people who are needed, you think, to make a decision are there. And sometimes we kind of adopt this more is more, you know, we wouldn't want to leave anybody out. And so we're going to just, just to make sure if we think anybody has any interest in this, we are going to make sure that they're in this, in this meeting. And gosh, that can be so expensive, not only in terms of the time that people are spending in the meeting, but also in opportunity costs of things they're not spending their time on. And I'll tell you what, the most expensive person to invite to a meeting is yourself as the business Mm -hmm. owner, right? Because there's only one of you. You can't have more than one. Uh, And as a result, um, your time is the most valuable in the organization. The burden of stewardship is incredible, really. I mean, we've got to be, as business owners, as CEOs, we've got to be looking at every investment of our time. And when you're in a meeting that is an investment of your time, either good or bad, is the return on investment there given the time I'm I'm allotting to that? And so thinking about first and foremost, which meetings can you not go to? And then second of all, who do you really need in this meeting versus maybe there are some people who need to be informed of the decisions that were made in that meeting or otherwise um, who could be informed either in a video or in writing. And that would be just as effective And of course, the fewer people you have in a meeting, the faster it's going to go, right? Right. I mean, the more people you have to hear from, et cetera, um, the the more inefficient the meeting is going to be. And so you've got to be cautious when you're planning a big meeting. Yep. I can only speak for my own sins on this one, but the way it works for me is when I am getting ready to send out a meeting invite that has too many people on it, my assumption is everybody who might have something to say about it should probably be involved in it. And what that really reflects is a lack of preparation on my part to say in advance to those individual stakeholders, hey, we're going to be talking about X, Y, or Z. Do you have any feedback that you'd like to give me in advance of this meeting or any other way of short circuiting that whole process? Because I could probably end up cutting out half of those people and saving them the time if I just did that step. 
Yeah, I, I think that is such a great hack. And I think you and I had this conversation a long time ago, but sometimes we schedule meetings as a way of deferred thinking. Oh, 100%. You know, it's kind of like, um, I'm overwhelmed today. My brain is really full. Yeah, we should probably meet about that. And it's a way of sort of procrastinating or postponing thinking that we're too overwhelmed to do later. And so we just, you're basically making a date to think together with other people. And sometimes that is not an efficient way to think at all. Sometimes it's a great way to think, but sometimes if you were to just spend that hour on your own, you could actually get much farther than you could if you were in a group. And so again, you know, back to strategy number one, choose another channel and then limiting this guest list idea of strategy number two, the first person we should be thinking about here is ourselves because man, we can, as a business owner, we can create all kinds of meetings for people because they can't say no to us, you know, right. or they can, but you know, there, there might be consequences to that negatively. And so typically they won't, and you can just like jam pack people's calendars in a way that's a total waste of time for them. Yeah. If you're not careful. One thing I definitely know about that is that process, that dynamic of, of kicking the thought down the road procrastination like that is actually a powerful tool. You may not have the ability to think about this right now, but it is, it's, it's a bad move to say, therefore it should be a meeting. Yeah. You, you need a better mechanism for kicking it down the road and still bringing it back to your attention because whatever needs to be decided in that meeting, you know, you're going to probably default to an hour long meeting and whatever happens in that hour long meeting will probably take a full hour, including all the pointless conversation that happened along with the key thing. But if you just sat down by yourself and worked on it for maybe 10 or 15 minutes, you might actually come up with the very same answer that you would have come up with investing that full hour. So procrastinating, it makes sense, but you just need another method of coming back to it and dealing with it. Well, and sometimes it can be really valuable, even if you think that in the end, you want to get everybody around a table and have a conversation about something to ask people to prepare their thoughts in advance Mm -hmm. can really enable that meeting to be far more effective. And you get a greater diversity of perspectives that way because you avoid the trap of groupthink. And sometimes what happens in those group meetings is that when you're trying to brainstorm something or you're trying to solve a problem or ideate in some way, the first person who speaks or the most senior person who speaks, everybody just kind of globs onto that. And then they're not really thinking differently. They're not really contributing their unique perspective because they're trying to agree or they're just kind of going the direction of the conversation. So not only can this reduce the time that you spend in meetings by having people prepare in advance, but also uh, you can get better quality thinking from people uh, by shortening the guest list or by at least having people prepare in advance. You know, one additional thought about that, if you are punting the decision to a meeting later on because it's too hard to think, if the people who are then called to that meeting also don't have very much time, they will not have prepared. Right. And then they will tend to go towards those easiest answers that are presented precisely because they haven't had time to think. And so you're almost guaranteeing by doing that something that feels like consensus when it's just in reality, a lot of people agreeing with each other because they haven't, none of them have had time to think. Right. And it's just like an easy way to check something off the list and move on to the next thing. I think that's a really good point. Then there's Parkinson's law. Work expands to fill the available time. We also know that the reverse tends to be true, that 
work can contract to whatever time is available to it. So when we think about strategy number three now, shorten the meeting, I'd love to get your thinking on that. Well, I love this one. This is probably my favorite on this list, um, partly because, you know, if you've listened to the show for very long, you know that I really love constraints, partly because they force a different kind of thinking, uh, different connections, different solutions than you would ever come up with if you just had unlimited resources. And honestly, I think they're a huge tool in getting ourselves to have the highest quality thoughts we can. And so I think shortening the meeting um, is a great tool for this, especially when you consider the fact that really, if you're honest, you know, you've probably got five to 10 minutes, maybe even 15 before a meeting and after a meeting that are unproductive. You know, you're running to the restroom, you're getting coffee, you're talking to people in the hallway. Now, this may be a little less true. If you're working from home, you may be a little more efficient and less distracted depending on your situation. But, you know, for an hour meeting, you've really taken yourself out of your workday for probably, you know, between an hour and 20 and an hour and 30 minutes. And that that's a pretty high price to pay for that meeting. So even if we can reduce it by 10 or 15 minutes, that helps to buy you back some time, especially if you look at uh, a day where you might have four to six meetings in a day. If you could reduce each of those by 10 or 15 minutes, that's probably enough to add in your day a workday startup ritual or a workday shutdown ritual, which of course we talk about with the full focus planner. Those are really important because they allow you to transition in and out of work without interrupting your personal time, right? Yeah. So if you're able to, let's say you were able to gain 30 minutes um, in a day and you were able to do your workday shutdown ritual at 4.30 or 5 before you left the office, well, now all of a sudden, by the time you get home, you're not trying to answer email, you're not taking phone calls, you're not checking checking Slack or, you know, social accounts or whatever, you're really making a clean break between work and the rest of your life. And the same is true with the morning. And so I think this is not to be underestimated the gain that is possible by shortening the meetings, not just in terms of uh, freeing up more time for work, but actually enabling you to have a better work-life balance as well, which yeah. is something we really care a lot about here. This also protects you, and let me just say in advance, this might sound a, a touch cynical, but this also protects you from something that very often happens in meetings, which is that they run too long. Yep. So if you have a meeting that's set for 45 minutes and it ends up taking an hour, that's way better than a meeting that's scheduled for an hour but ends up taking you know, an hour and 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And just having the constraint ends up creating a sense of urgency to wrap up by the time. So even if it runs long, you still have a buffer. But I've definitely been in those meetings where we run long and it's like the doctor office effect where suddenly all my appointments are screwed up because mm -hmm. I've got one thing and then another thing and another thing that I've run long. And you can actually help prevent that by just accordioning the moment and pulling in those those meetings down to like 30 minutes or 45 minutes. I think that's really true. And you know, what's funny, this reminds me of going to therapy, because I don't know about you guys. But when I go to therapy, the most productive part of my therapy is usually the last 10 or 15 minutes of that mm -hmm. 50 minute hour. And by the way, therapists have figured this out, they don't do 
hour-long sessions, an hour-long session in therapy is 50 minutes, right? Because right. They, they need to transition to the next client. They need to you know write their notes or whatever they're doing. And so I think we can learn something from that. Um, you know, when when those constraints are in place, we feel the the pressure to wrap things up and to make sure that we are clear on what decisions we're making because we're running out of time. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that can be helpful to do here is to have a clock visible in your uh, meeting room. You know, we have in all of our conference rooms clocks that are on the wall so everybody can see. Um, one of the things that uh, we sometimes do in our coaching sessions is we actually have a clock running with a client so they're aware of it because it, when we can see the scarcity of time, we tend to make better decisions about how we spend that time. And we we hit the mark of shortening the meeting. So I think that can be um, really helpful. I have in my office, uh, which is set up kind of in a living room sort of configuration. I have a part of my office where my desk is where I am now. But then I also have a, a spot where I conduct meetings and I have a clock sitting behind the seat that's directly across from where I always sit so I can watch that clock and know, pace myself in the meeting, literally, because I'm seeing the clock. One of the things that I have found difficult is that if I have to look at my watch or if I have to, you know, tap my phone and see what time it is, it feels really distracting. But if I can just glance up again, this is another therapist trick. If I can just glance over the shoulder of the person I'm talking to, then it really helps me to pace the meeting and make sure I know, okay, hey, time check. We've got 10 minutes left. What decisions have we not made yet? You know, or whatever right. really helps to keep things on track. That's super helpful because unless there is an attempt to do that, yeah. what you'll end up finding is that you're doing that after the meeting. Yeah. Like, oh, we're 10 minutes over, you know, right. that that feeling. Oh, shoot. I just checked my watch and we just already went over. What decisions do we still have to make? And then right. there you are 15 minutes late and your whole calendar is dominoed, you know, into oblivion. Right. <laughs> Okay, so we've covered uh, three of these strategies so far. The first, choose another channel. The second, limit the guest list. The third, and your favorite, shorten the meetings. I wonder what you might think about strategy number four, reduce the frequency. Uh, this this is one of those that I feel like is kind of convicting because it's so easy for recurring meetings to just become like habits. You know, mm-hmm. we don't even remember why we started that meeting, if it's necessary, if somebody else could lead it, if all the people at the meeting still need to be there. I mean, in a way, this is kind of the culmination of everything that we've talked about in the previous three strategies, because I think they kind of all come together here. When you're talking about recurring meetings that happen frequently, these are the most dangerous things on our calendar, right? Because they just clog up the calendar. And before you know it, there's not any time to, you know, get the real work done, quote unquote, right. or to have space for new conversations that need to have. And so this is something that I'm always thinking about personally. What if I just didn't attend that meeting anymore? Or what if I came less often? Or what if instead of meeting on a weekly basis, we met every other week? Or instead of every other week, what if we met every uh, once every month? You know, and so when you start thinking about that, it really can be effective. And, you know, we were talking earlier about this phenomenon that happens where you kind of defer or postpone 
thinking to a later date in the context of a meeting. One of the things that happens is that the more meetings we have, the more often we do that. And the more often we do that, the more meetings we have. And so it just becomes this vicious cycle. And when you reduce the frequency of your meetings and all of a sudden you're giving your team time back, what you may find is that they actually, and you too, actually have time to think in your workday instead of constantly needing to make mental notes about things you need to think about later when your calendar opens up, which of course it never will. Um, and so part of what you can actually do is eliminate meetings by eliminating meetings, if that makes sense, because they're fe- this is feeding on itself. Right. If you, if you stop the impulse to set a meeting, you're actually possibly saving yourself three or four meetings. Yep, exactly. Speaking of excusing yourself from meetings, I had a client ask me about this this morning on the Business Accelerator weekly phone call, and he mentioned feeling troubled about leaving a meeting that he had set up about excusing himself, and I wonder how how you might coach someone who is wondering how they could gracefully exit a meeting. Well, first of all, I love this question because I think the answer is kind of counterintuitive. And so my answer would be that in a strange way, staying in the meeting might actually be holding your team back. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of one of the meetings that I'm involved with regularly. We have a, a weekly sales pace meeting with a number of different members of our revenue team. So that includes marketing, sales, and then we also have some product folks in there. And this has been an incredibly valuable meeting. Um, it's where we're basically looking at what are our sales uh, month to date and what do we project? We have predictive models uh, through year in, how are th- or not year in, month in. How are things going? How, how are we pacing with the quarter, with the year, all of that, right? So we're just looking at primarily new sales um, for all of our products and then answering the question, if things are not where we want them to be, what could we do to bridge that gap? Now, at the beginning of that meeting, there was a lot of kind of financial engineering and data engineering that was going on. Our business intelligence team was working on getting the data formatted correctly and really kind of getting it all in the way that would be the most uh, insightful for us. And so I was necessary in kind of shaping the early part of that meeting sort of framing up what questions I wanted to have answered, giving people assignments and so forth. However, at the end of the day, I actually want our revenue team and our product teams to be able to collaborate to solve those problems. And then if things are escalated, they can be brought to me, but I don't really need to lead that conversation anymore. We have a very capable team. The groundwork has been established. And actually, I think I'm holding my team back from them um, being empowered to lead at the level I know that they're capable of Mm -hmm. by continuing to be in that meeting. Because of course, everybody's going to defer to me to be the leader of the meeting if I'm there, Right. right? And so I think in answer to this client, I would say that sometimes the most honoring, um, you know, kind of confidence inspiring thing you can do is to tell the team that you know that they've got it and you're going to excuse yourself from the meeting. Now, I wouldn't do that in an all or nothing binary way. I would ask for updates, you know, like probably what I'll do is just have the team record a quick update for me on a weekly basis and then probably on a monthly basis, you know, like we'll just kind of wean me out of that. Um, but I think you can do that responsibly and I think you can develop your leaders and your other talent within the organization by not being in those meetings. And you're actually holding people back by continuing to go in some cases. Mm-hmm. 
So that's how to optimize our time when it comes to meetings. But as you'll notice, we're still gonna have some of those meetings. So they ought to be great meetings. They ought to be what we at Full Focus call no fail meetings. And to get a sense of that, I've invited Aaron Perry, our Chief Experience Officer, to come on the show and talk to us about the five steps for no fail meetings. More on that after the break. Marissa, I cannot tell you how excited I am for your best year ever live coming up January 5th. Yes, I'm so excited too. I can't wait. Yes, this is the event that you would want to come attend if you're just like, man, I want to look at how well did I do in the past, but I also want to set myself up for success to have, like we call it in the title, your best year ever. This is the event you want to be at. We have thousands of people coming to this event already. And you and I will be emceeing this event. Yes. So there's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of excitement to come join us to make it a great year for you. Now, in order for you to receive it, all you have to do is buy the full focus goal setting course and you get a ticket to your best year ever. Yes. And the best part is that that course is 25% off right now. So... Uh, you're going to get a discount and a ticket to the live event, which is normally $197. That's a killer deal. So it's a killer deal. It's a no-brainer in my opinion. Um, But definitely join us. It's going to be so much fun. January 5th, it's totally virtual. So no matter where you are in the world or... um, you know, whether you can get on a plane or not, don't worry about it. You don't have to. You can do this from the comfort of your own home and we'll be right there. Yeah. And just imagine having your goals already set for the entire year and a plan to execute them. Yeah. That's worth all the money that you can. And the best part, it's a free event for you yeah. if you buy the Full Focus Goal Setting Course. Yes. All right. Well, we would love to see you there. So make sure to go to fullfocusstore.com and take advantage of this deal. We'd love to see you at your best driver live. I wanted to talk to Erin Perry about running meetings because she knows how to do it. I've seen her run meetings. I've seen the way she thinks about meetings. And given the framework that we're going to discuss, I know there's going to be some big benefit for you as business owners in learning how to conduct a meeting, really the whole methodology behind running a meeting in such a way that you are almost guaranteed to get the results that you need out of those meetings that you do have. Erin, meetings. Meetings. Tell me, tell me about one of the worst ones you've ever had. Oh, goodness. I think I've been a part of a lot of really bad meetings over the course of my career. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can think of one okay. that just you, stands you can, out. Yeah, you can, by the way, protect the guilty by changing names, change all the details you need to in order to get this past you know, the censors. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I was a part of a small leadership team. Mm-hmm. at a company. And um, we would get in and have a weekly leadership team meeting where we would talk about uh, everything in the business. Sure. Um, and a lot of it focused around our goals. Okay. However, at this organization, we were missing a strategic plan. Mm-hmm. And that really meant ultimately that we were missing a purpose and we were missing the vision and we were mm-hmm. missing where we were going. So uh, what that meeting uh, ended up becoming over time was a long series of conversations around tasks. And I'm an Enneagram 8, and I like to move fast. 
and conversations about down in the weeds tasks are not my favorite thing to have. <laughs> Especially and, when you don't know what they add up to. Yeah. You know, I mean, they added up to something. I just had no idea if I was winning or right. losing or helping or not. And, um, you know, the struggle became uh, that the leadership team itself was not united. Yeah. Um, I uh, really, really struggled in that environment because for me, I care about uh, are we working towards the vision and are we making the decisions that we need to make now that are going to impact us three months from now, six months from now. And, and I like proactive leading. Yeah. Um, and so not having that vision piece was a huge, huge problem. And it meant that every meeting every week was just a struggle. Yeah. Um, you know, there was no common goal really that we were working towards other than what was on the agenda this week. Mm -hmm. And that meant that we spent a lot of time closing loops for the boss's head and what was, you know, uh, what was important to this person was not necessarily aligned to the vision of where the company probably needed to uh, go to grow. Right. At Full Focus, we want to help people avoid uh, such awful meetings, dreadful time-wasting meetings. Instead, we want meetings to be helpful, useful, productive. So if you're going to have a meeting, it might as well be what we would call a no-fail meeting. And we have five steps to help you get there. And I thought I'd ask you to kind of walk us through those. So the first step for a no-fail meeting is to decide. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So first you want to decide if the meeting is even necessary. And if so, really look at what type of meeting you need and what mm -hmm. format that it should be. So uh, I think that question of is this meeting even necessary is a really good question to ask. And it's one that most leaders, especially when you get into recurring meetings that have kind of always been there and always on the calendar, mm -hmm. um, it's really hard to let those go. Um, so that's really, really important because what that question forces is for you to um, take a look at the purpose, is for you to consider the why and and what you're trying to accomplish and, and really uh, see if it matters. Is it worth your time? It may be, you know, that you don't need to be the one in the meeting, that it might be the meeting for somebody else. So you could excuse yourself. But, um, you know... Really, I find that teams sometimes overmeet because there's a lack of process or a lack of clarity around something. And you're by continuing to meet about it and meet to solve the problem, you're mm -hmm. not actually getting down to the root issue um, and and where something's broken. Um, and it's it becomes a really inefficient use of your time. So you need to go further upstream before that meeting and just ask, what are we even doing here? Do we need to, do we need to solve this problem this way? Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of times you find you can solve it in other ways, you know, instead of having a meeting, can you just provide an update via email or Slack or something else? Um, you know, whatever other internal communication or a project management system, do you need to provide this update's a great question to ask, or could you just make the decision that you need to make? Um, and I think 
asking all of those questions, I know with my EA, we go through on a quarterly basis and look at our meeting schedule and just go, what could we get rid of? Mm -hmm. What no longer is serving uh, the purpose that we need it to serve? So you can undecide. In that first step, you can always go back and and re-decide. You can make a different call. Yeah. So step two is schedule. A second ago, you mentioned, you know, like maybe you don't need to go into the meeting. Um, obviously, when you're scheduling, you're talking about also inviting people. So give us a little bit more color on on step two. Yeah. Well, step two really involves scheduling the right people at the right time and making sure that it's the right length and the right location. Mm-hmm. So um, I think a good practice to do is to question who are the stakeholders that need to be involved? Who are the important people that might need to be consulted before I make this decision? And making sure that you've really put thought behind who those people are. Oftentimes when meetings become inefficient, it's because you're having to have a second meeting because you left out two of the most important people that needed Mm -hmm. to be there the first time. Right. Um, And I think after you do that, just going through and saying, what's the right length is a good question. I think sometimes we spend time in meetings, uh, to spend, it's too long of a time that we're spending in meetings and the constraints can actually force the focus in the meeting. Um, So making sure that you dial that in and, and try to set up those constraints appropriately, I think is good. And then just considering the location is so, so important. We're in a, you know, post COVID world and uh, certainly zoom is something that's popular and, and, and a right thing for a lot of companies, but there's always that benefit of an in-person meeting and, um, you know, coming together in a room and brainstorming and solving problems too. And so what is going to drive the results for your meeting, I think is a really important uh, consideration when you're planning out those meetings. Yeah. When we get to the next step, I think this will become even clearer, but I love a whiteboard. And I can solve any problem that faces humanity if I have the right people in a room and a whiteboard. Um, so I, well, I really value that point. I think a lot of times we end up not giving enough consideration to how the meeting will be conducted in terms of location. So you have some people hybrid, you have some people in person. They maybe maybe the meeting room is not set up properly. So even if there is a whiteboard, the people who are hybrid can't see it. The people who are virtual, so. That there needs to be enough planning in advance of that in order to help produce the right outcome. Sure. And to your point, Joel, I think it's such a good one. Making sure that you equal the playing field. Mm -hmm. So we want to be considerate of, hey, if we really need the collaboration and we really need everybody to participate, maybe we put everybody on Zoom, even if half the people are in the office together, you know, so that we can get everybody on that equal playing field or we'll send out an invite beforehand and say, Hey guys, it's really important for you to be here and be in person. We're trying to equal the playing field. So come on into the office and um, let's all get on the whiteboard together, you know? And, and I find that's helpful in just considering, you know, what's going to produce the results and how important is the meeting, you know, is, is a part of that consideration. 
Yeah. Well, that leads us to step three, which is prepare. And we mean specifically an agenda, which does relate directly back to your point just then about the kind of location or who would be there or whatever. This is about the result that you're after. Tell us more about that. Yeah. I think too often people don't have their eyes on what's the result and what's the outcome I'm after. And so you got to consider, are you trying to make a decision here? Are you trying to, uh, you know, hopefully you've already gathered your data beforehand and you can actually do that in the meeting. But that agenda can serve as a way to keep you on track, to keep you focused and honest. Um, it also includes things like naming a facilitator. Maybe some, you know, you as an executive are leading a meeting, but you want a facilitator to come in and help keep things moving in the meeting, keep you on track with your time. Usually EAs can fill that space and it allows for there to be real focus and and for that parking lot idea uh, of what's not on the agenda doesn't need to be talked about right now a lot Um, of squirrels show up in meetings oh my goodness um all the chasing that sometimes happens and honestly um keeping that agenda helps keep you honest in terms of your use of your time Mm -hmm. you know your time's valuable as a business owner And sitting in a meeting where people talk about things that are way off topic is not a good use of anybody's time. And and so keeping an eye on those results and the outcomes that you're after and using that agenda to keep everybody uh, on focus, it also helps to send out that agenda ahead of time. I Mm. love that because it allows people to prepare for the meeting, to come Um, with an idea of what's going to be discussed. You can outline expectations and responsibilities for things like reporting and things that need to go into the meeting. And it's just a simple but powerful tool to organize your thoughts. Right, right. And when you're trying to accomplish big goals and big results, keeping that focus for your team on here's the outcome that we're after, I think helps to create alignment. It also potentially helps solve the problem that you talked about at the beginning, which is the vision problem, because this is not just an agenda. This is a results-driven agenda. This is something connected back to the overarching plan that you're trying to execute. And so if you're forcing somebody to think back, like, what is the point of this meeting? It's not just merely instrumental. It is it is helping drive to a larger Uh, goal. And if it's helping drive to a larger goal, or more importantly, a larger vision, then you've helped close that loop. And instead of sitting there in that meeting and just playing whack-a-mole with the problems that happen to be showing up in a business, you're you're there organizing people's thinking, organizing people's problem-solving capabilities, organizing the brainstorming towards the vision. Mm -hmm. Well, and and it keeps you from diverting from that vision, Joel. I mean, really... What what I find is sometimes what's important or feels urgent or feels like it's the fire of the moment is not always connected to the vision. And um, it helps you stay focused on what are the big things that I really need to care about. And um, and it and it really guides it in that way. And I think it's it's powerful. Um, It's simple, but it's powerful if you use it. In the correct way. Well, that leads to step four, which is the actual meeting. So step four, meet. And while you're meeting, 
We're looking here at how do you use that agenda? You talked a few minutes ago about the facilitator, about using a, a parking lot or something like that. Talk to us about how you actually use an agenda properly in a meeting. This is like one of those things that might strike some listeners as as riveting as possibly watching paint dry. However, <laughs> however, um, if you do this well, you can make a meeting go from being eh, not that useful to being like maybe the most useful use of your time, investment of your time that day. Yeah. I always start meetings by looking at the agenda as a group and uniting around the purpose. I think that part is really, really important for the alignment. That 30 seconds at the top of the meeting can save you from going off into one of those squirrels and uh, chasing it around the tree, right? So So this this is just like identifying the purpose. So the result that you're after in the meeting, you're going to underscore it and make sure everyone's on the same page before you get going. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think uh, it's making sure that you're also building an understanding at the same time of here are our time constraints. So let's say that we've broken apart that agenda and there's three major things that we want to talk about. You want to kind of set aside and create uh time blocks for that conversation. Again, those constraints can help you force decision-making in a faster way. And ultimately, hopefully, you've prepared your team ahead of time. Um, But you put in those constraints and make sure that everybody knows, hey, here's what we're going to talk about. If you have a short amount of time, we only have 10 minutes to talk about this. So I'm going to need everybody to be really focused. Even that helps to uh, tame people from going off. I think having that facilitator identified and empowering them to be able to take control of the meeting, you know, for us, commonly a facilitator is one of our EAs Mm -hmm. and they come into that meeting and they say, Hey, okay, you've got five more minutes to discuss this. And then we have to move on to the next topic. So they're constantly checking in. They're constantly uh, keeping the conversation moving. And then they're also really using that agenda as a place to capture notes, comments, takeaways from the meeting and action items so that when you get into decision-making mode, you can track that decision and you can uh, keep people honest, uh, you know, when, when they're walking out of a meeting. You want a measure to hold them accountable to and having something written that everyone can see, that everyone knows, it becomes a powerful tool even after the meeting. There's nothing worse than meeting on something important, arriving at a like critical decision, and then nothing happening afterwards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, that leads us directly to step five, which is to follow up. Following up is probably the most important part. And really, you want to do a couple of things. You want to review those meeting notes. You want to have enough follow through to complete those assigned tasks And you want to be able to hold other people accountable to what they committed to in a meeting. And so one of the tricks that we use, whether you're on email or Slack, is to send out that agenda after the fact and say, okay, here are the commitments and action steps that we made in this meeting. Here are the due dates Mm -hmm. that you need to be aware of. And then we're likely going to put it into a project management system so that we can keep track of the progress of those. 
in the very least, we're gonna address things and follow up on them in our one-on-ones with those delegates so that they know, hey, we're still expecting that and, and building in the expectation of, I want you to follow up with me and let me know your progress. Maybe let me know where you're hitting barriers and really use um, kind of that follow, the follow-up activities as a check-in on performance. You know, meetings are one of the most expensive things a company does because for every meeting, you have the salary of one person, two persons, three persons, four persons, five persons, possibly six, seven, eight people around a table. And instead of those folks out on their own working on whatever projects they have, generating hopefully ultimately revenue for the organization, they are sitting there together all that money is going into conversations. So the the only thing that could be possibly worse than occupying all of that company revenue, uh, revenue generating brain power in one space would be to waste it, um, to allow a meeting to happen that did not produce not only A, results, but B, the, the follow-up that, that ensured that those results meant something. It's so true, Joel. Um, you know, I think people aren't always conscious of how time is money. Mm-hmm. And uh, really to your business, one of the most important things that you can do is always be questioning, what's the return on my investment for these dollars? Sure. And I think, um, you know, when while it might be fun to sit in a meeting and you might get that like dopamine hit of being with other people and getting to brainstorm and there's value in that. There's also, you know, back to that question of, is this necessary? When and where does that become appropriate? And and that's a really important question to ask because otherwise you end up meeting about everything and accomplishing nothing. Yeah. And if you have decided that the meeting is necessary, you know, I, I don't want to come off as against meetings or negative about meetings. The truth is meetings are where some of the most important work in a business happen. But if you are going to decide that this meeting is necessary, then you have to ensure that you'll get the most out of it. And that really does mean following generally these five steps. You got to make the right decision about whether the meeting is necessary, what type it should be, what format you should have it in. You need to step two, schedule it. You got That means scheduling the right people at the right time for the right length of time in the right location. Step three, you have to prepare a results-driven agenda, something focused on the outcome. Step four, you have to meet and then actually engage in this kind of productive conversation that moves the needle forward in your business, somewhere you're avoiding the squirrels and the things that get you distracted that would prevent you from getting to the result that you stated at the beginning. And then finally, five, you got to follow up. You got to like put this, put this in a task manager, put it in your full focus planner, whatever the action items are, whatever the decisions were, they need to go into a place where they can actually be acted on. And if you don't do that, you are risking the squandering of the investment of all that time, all that brain power, all that human creativity. I love that you mentioned human creativity. By doing those steps, you actually free up your team members to not worry about the things that uh, might trip up a meeting and you're going to get better results in their creativity and their thinking.
I want to thank Aaron for coming on the show to walk us through that methodology, those five steps. And I want to come back to what I said at the top of the show, that we ought to give meetings a chance. I think if you put these two conversations together, what you'll see is this, that not every meeting is essential. In fact, a lot of meetings are not. And so if you get out of those meetings, you can save your creative energies for the meetings that are essential. And once you know what those are and you know how to run them, you'll be able to get the results from those meetings that you need. You'll be able to have the right people around the table, whether it's virtual or not. You'll be able to have the right kinds of conversations. You won't be chasing squirrels. Instead, you'll have exactly the agenda that you need in order to get from point A to B or C or D or wherever you need to end up. And on top of that, you'll be able to follow up in a way that gets results. So no more meetings where you come through with a lot of big plans at the end, but then nothing seems to happen. A few weeks later, you lift your head up and wonder, did we decide anything? Has anything actually happened? Or worse, you're frustrated that nothing has happened because now you're equipped to follow up in such a way that you can get the results you're after. And that's it for another episode of the Business Accelerator Podcast. Thank you for listening. Here's my final pitch for why you should give meetings a chance. Business Accelerator is kind of a meeting. It's group coaching, also one-on-one coaching. But in those group coaching sessions, I cannot tell you the number of people that we've gathered together that experience wild, incredible transformation in their businesses. And they wouldn't have had it if they weren't open to at least one meeting and that one meeting can make a huge difference. If you're a business owner and you're interested in learning more about our Business Accelerator coaching program, go to businessaccelerator.com. We help successful but overwhelmed small business owners just like you scale yourself and your business so you can win at work and succeed at life. It's what we call the double win. And again, if you wanna experience that for yourself, go to businessaccelerator.com. That's it. We'll be back next week with another conversation to help accelerate your business. All right, Ken, do you know what's happening right now? No, I have no idea. Well, first of all, it's your favorite time of year, finally. It's, yes! We can act, okay, like I give approval for us to actually listen to Christmas music now that Thanksgiving's over. Jingle bells, jingle bells. Yes. Uh, it's our holiday sale here at Full Focus. Oh, And we have better. some really awesome deals going on, especially if for some reason you missed out on our Black Friday deals. This is a great time to get your planners and everything for the new year. And so we have got uh, some awesome deals. So we've got 10% off site-wide. Um, we've got where you can get a free, um, your best year ever vinyl sticker pack for any new planner subscription that you sign up for. So these are great to put on things like your Stanley mug. Wow. You already put them on your Stanley mug. And if you got them, them if you got them on black Friday, these are different. These are, these are going to be new for the new year. Uh, but they're great for that. You can also put them on your planner. You can put them on your computer, wherever you want them. 
but they're great. great. They're great stickers. We're also doing 25% off courses. Let's go. So specifically, we've been talking a lot about our goal setting course. Um, and this is going to be $75 off and you get a free ticket to your best year ever live with your purchase. So you definitely don't, it's like a crazy, crazy, crazy deal. So you don't want to miss out on that. And your favorite thing, which is our certification program we're doing $800 off of it. And this is a fantastic time of year to get in. Um, we are actually going to be doing a beta group for our new digital planner. Yes. It's going to be fantastic. Crazy exciting. So anyways, go to fullfocusstore.com now shop our holiday sale. Make sure to use the code holiday 10 to get all these deals and more.